help me. Are you serious? No one can help me. My immortality is a curse, a fall from grace. Evil is a metaphysical condition. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. It's time for another episode of Forever Night. Season 1, episode 16, Only the Lonely. I love a good origin story. The origin of Nick and Nat. Yeah. If you liked Nick and Nat and you wanted Nick and Nat to be together, you were Nat Packers. Or Nick and Nat Packers. Just so you know. I know. From your website. <laughs> a GeoCities website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Back when I was a Nick and Nat Packer. My, I have evolved since then. I'm either an immortal beloved or I just straight up love Laquan. Don't care about the rest of the crew. They can do whatever they want. Just depends on the day and how, how glorious the Qua is in the flashback. Mm-hmm. Or soon to be not flashback. Yeah, very soon. We're on episode 16. There's only like four more episodes or five more episodes of season one. Can you believe that? can't believe we've made it this far. You've stuck with it this entire time. <laughs> I, I keep thinking of it as how many episodes are left. Ugh. What? No, you don't. <laughs> Okay, so I'm drinking LaCroix water, (laughs) trying to say, and uh, it occurred to me that I'm probably the only person in the world who calls it LaCroix water. (laughs) That was like, well, I can see why you call it LaCroix water. (laughs) I've heard other people call it LaCroix. There you go, Steve. Those must be other uh, fellow Forever Night friends. They're they're from Canada. Whatever, I don't hear Uh, So before we get too far, hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. So this is finally, finally, 17, 16 episodes in, how Nick met Natalie and how she knows what he is. Finally. Woohoo. So we get an opening. We're going to open with the murder, obviously. The murder for the main timeline. Yeah, the main timeline murder. Present day. Present day. And it's um, an incel guy. Trying to get into this woman's house. Yeah. Yeah, he's a hardcore incel. Because he shows up. We don't see their faces, so they're doing these overly exaggerated hand movements to show us who's talking. Yeah. Like in the original Power Rangers when they would all whoosh, 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 turn their head all the time. Yeah. Every time they were talking with their helmet on. Because that's how you knew who was talking. I heard the Mandalorian has to do that too. Well, it's skill. You know, having to convey that you're talking without anybody being able to see your face. But one of the things I saw him get get kudos on was 
when he finally took his helmet off in the show, he still moved his head while he was acting like he was wearing the helmet. Gotcha. That's a pretty cool idea. Yeah. Implying that he wears the helmet so much. That he's used to it. That's his automatic behavior. Yeah. It's like uh, Rorschach. Give me back my face. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, So there's a pushy guy outside this woman's house. And she's like, you know what? Actually, I'm good. Let's call it for tonight, which is totally within her rights. I don't owe you anything. I just right. Had a I nice think time. I think she was going to invite him in, but then he got a beep. Well, she wasn't hospital. going to invite him in because he was like, "Come on, oh, can I come right. in for yeah. some drinks?" And she's like, "No, no." And he's like, "How about it? How about for coffee? Anything? Like, I'll just sit on your couch for five minutes. Can I come in your house?" And she's like, "No, I already said no. Please stop asking." And then his pager goes off. Beep, his, beep, beep. his beep beep. In Korean, they call it beep beep. <laughs> his beep beep. So his beeper goes off and he's like, oh, man, that's the hospital. I really need to come in and use your phone. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, obviously. Okay, sure. Which, did he have his time, his beeper set to go off? Why did it so conveniently go off right in that moment? Right. Someone would have had to call it. Unless he had a cell phone in his other pocket. Well, they had like a test mode where you could just play the beep. That's true. But he would have to have touched it and he doesn't touch it. It was probably just prehensile penis. No, no. <laughs> well, it no, goes. That's off. only vampires. Well, however he gets it, the beeper goes off. Yeah, it's and, for him. It's convenient timing. Probably. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, great! Yeah, you can come in. It's fine. Use the phone call. I don't want anybody to die because I don't want you in my house." And so he comes in, and he's like, "Well, how about we make out a little bit first? Well, what about the hospital? And she's like, what about the hospital? And he's like, oh, they can wait. It's fine. And she's like, oh, I made a terrible mistake. Because then he murders her, strangles her to death. Yeah. And then we get the same news guy from Spin Doctor. Remember our interludes? He didn't get fired. He didn't get fired. Uh, Well, he was doing the cool interludes that kept us up to date with what was happening in the the campaigns. Yeah. And now he's back. And he's reporting about... This murder, because there have been a lot of these murders. There's a serial killer. This is a serial killer. And they are struggling to figure out who did it. And we get a nice external to internal transition here where we're seeing the newscaster outside. And he's... Directly. Directly. Like, we're seeing him. We're seeing him on TV, obviously, because it's television. But um, we're seeing him being filmed. And then we kind of zoom closer to his face. And then we transition to he is on TV. And when we pull back, Skanky is turning the television off. And they're getting ready to have a conversation with Natalie about the case. And it's a really cool, really subtle. Yeah. In and out. Blink and, and you'll miss it transition. Surroundings changed. Yeah, I did a really cool like hand in, hand out thing. This is why we need to film ourselves because half of my conversation with you is my hand moving around. Everybody's missing that. Two thirds of my conversation is my hands moving around. That's true. That's why I smack the Although microphone. you can usually hear hear my hands. So <laughs> yeah. you don't have to film me. It's, like, it's very ASMR. Oh, Matt smacked the microphone. He must be gesturing wildly again. Hey, I don't want to hear it. My question is... They figure out that she is a, she's a member of a dating service because she has this VCR. A video dating service. A video dating service. Why does she have a tape of herself? And when they put the tape in and play it, it's on her, which means she was watching herself on this tape. Because the tape is wherever you left it. Unless she was kind and rewound. And she was the very first one. 
that's probably the copy that she got back from the dating service. Well, I think and it's, she never yeah. watched it. Well, I think it's her copy, but oh, maybe they put it on her. Well, what you, they would do is they would put a whole bunch of candidates on a tape and send it to you and you would watch it and then you would pick the one you wanted. Right. To. That might've been like the proof copy for her to approve. Oh yeah. It could have been. And so Skanky is like, Oh, come on. She was good looking. There was no reason for her to have to. Why did she have to resort to that? You know, why'd she have to resort to video da- a video dating service? And Natalie's like, come on, Skanky. It's the 90s. Okay, tomorrow we hit singular interests. See if any of the other victims were members. A dating service killer. Oh, no. I think I'm getting a case of what's this world coming to nausea. What's this world coming to is right when someone not bad and not broke like Jill Fisher has to resort to a dating service in the first place. Oh, come on, Skank. It's the 90s. Dating services like frozen dinners have their place. It's not necessarily a case of resorting to them. (laughs) (laughs) TV dinners. (laughs) Yeah, dating services like TV dinners have their place. (laughs) Come on, it's the 90s. Let me start using that with you all the time. Rachel, why are you doing that? Because oh, it's the 90s. It's modern day. In your mind. <laughs> that was 30 years ago. I don't even want, we can't, I don't want, I'm not receiving that right now. This this entire series has been uh, in celebration of the 30th anniversary of Forever Night. Oh, it really has. Wow. That's why I keep saying it. <laughs> oh, wow. That really just hit me. Just as a just a moment. <laughs> You're welcome. Honey. What is the 30th anniversary? All right. And so Skanky immediately shifts into helpful uncle mode with Natalie. Because he says, Well, Natalie, well what's, why why don't you date? What's going on with that? What's up with that? And Natalie's like, Well, who has who time? Who has the time? Who has the time? And Skanky's like, you know what you should have told me? I'd have told Myra. Myra will find somebody for you. Myra loves to do that. Myra loves to do this kind of stuff. <laughs> and Natalie says, oh, no, help me. I'm going to end up with Skanky's <laughs> cousin from Moose Jaw. <laughs> Which is a place. Skanky's like, well, what's wrong with Nick? He's not doing anything else. And Natalie I don't know. just goes, ask him. I don't know, ask him. And then she just drives off. <laughs> like, I'm going to leave you guys with that. And then Natalie does a whoosh. She does do a whoosh, which this entire episode is an exploration of just how much Nick is not okay in he and Natalie's relationship. (laughs) And that there really are boundaries that have gone undiscussed, just tacitly understood between them for too long. Or boundaries that are assumed to exist but may or may not actually exist. Yeah. This is a, they have not had the, I love you like a sister conversation yet. 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 Or I, yeah, it's, there are a lot of awkward, believably awkward moments between the two of them in this episode, which given Nick's ability to charm literally anybody, that he comes across. It's really impressive that he is so oblivious to Natalie's, what Natalie is communicating to him. Not oblivious in that he doesn't realize that she likes him, but that he's He's not receiving that. Well, he doesn't realize how his behavior is affecting her because she likes him. Right. Probably because he's never been around a woman who liked him, that he didn't take advantage of that fact. (laughs) 
to get whatever it was he needed, blood or whatever, in the past. Right. And now here's a woman who likes him, and he is deliberately not acting on it. He's protecting her. Right. And this, I think I referenced this in an earlier episode when we talked about how old Natalie is, but this is the episode where we find out exactly how old she is because it's her birthday. Her 30th birthday. And Grace, remember Grace? She was the NPC that I said I really wish we'd seen more of because she'd mm-hmm. be a good foil for Natalie. Yeah. She's here and she brings in the cake. So Natalie would be 60. And they don't sing happy birthday. They sing for she's a jolly good fellow. That's a Canadian thing. Okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just making that up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's well, somebody owns the rights to happy birthday. Somebody claims to own the rights, but they've never had to defend it in court. Yeah, well, Natalie deliberately points out that it's 30 because she goes, let me see. And she goes, one, two, three, four. Yep, 30, all there. And again, I remember as a kid being like, wow, she's really old. Although I think they emphasize it because in a few minutes, Natalie gets a flashback. Yeah, Natalie gets a flashback. But what they get her is our first awkward moment of the episode. Yeah, like, what the heck, guys? Lingerie? Who gets their boss lingerie? Their single boss? Their single boss. And then all stands around and they're like, oh, who are you going to wear that for next? What the fuck? I would be I would be mortified if I got a present from my employees and it was sexually explicit. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. And I don't know if this was, like, okay in the 90s or if this would have been awkward in the 90s, too. Oh, it's definitely awkward in the 90s, too. I would, I would hope that even then it would have been inappropriate. I don't know why everyone is pushing Natalie. Like, leave her alone, guys. Leave, she's career-focused. She's only 30. She's so old. <laughs> they, they really act like she is. Like, she's her expiration date is rapidly approaching. Tick, 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 tick. It, calm down. <laughs> It's fine. I don't know. It's They're leaving. Nick and Skanky have apparently gone to the morgue for something, and they're leaving, and Skanky is eating birthday cake. And Nick asks him about it, and Skanky's like, oh, it's cake from Natalie's birthday. I'd offered you some, but you're on that weird macrobiotic. He says he's on that weird macrobiotic diet. Have the address right here in my pocket. I would have saved you a piece, but I didn't think birthday cake was on that Spartan warrior macrobiotic diet of yours. Whose birthday? Nats, forensics through a bash. Natalie's? She's completely forgot. They called me last week. Don't sweat it. The only reason I found out is I had to go down and get test results. No, no, this is not good. I didn't even get her a card. It's not too late. Do what I do with Myra. Only I do it on purpose. I make her think I'm not getting anything until the last minute. But then she's so desperate, no matter what I get her, boom. Big hit works every time. <laughs> <laughs> and Nick goes, Oh God, it's Natalie's birthday. Shit. I forgot. And Skanky's like, Oh, it's fine. I do that every year. I make Myra think I forgot her birthday until the very last minute. And then she's so desperate for what for me to give her a present, she'll be so happy for anything I get her. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> Skanky's gift giving philosophy. Skanky's wisdom on how to keep your wife happy on your birthday, which is just... I i would... Anything, any advice Skanky gave me about how to treat my wife, I would pretty much do the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> you do that exactly, though. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Oh, oh, it's different. Because it's never intentional. Oh, 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 okay. I'm oblivious <laughs> to your birthday. <laughs> Until the very last minute, and then you run out to Walmart and you buy me whatever you can find. No, I, I don't even do that. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you do. Sometimes I do. Depends on how many times during the day I've reminded you that it's my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. So then we get Natalie's flashback, which she does the old stare off into the corner where memory lives. And then this time when they're bringing her in a cake, there's 28 candles. So it's her 28th birthday. So Nick and Natalie met two years ago. On her birthday. On her birthday. She's working on her birthday in her flashback. And a man brings in, uh, one of her aides brings in a body in a body bag. And he says, you know, um, here's most of them. And Natalie's like, what do you mean most of them? And her aide says, well, he kind of jumped on a pipe bomb to save some people. So it's a pretty big mess. Uh, happy birthday. See you later. And he leaves. And she's, she's gearing herself up and that's the end of the flashback which is oh no uh, what is this what am i going to encounter this guy was literally blown up and right. we sort of zoom to the side and we see that the blood that had leaked out of the bloody body black bag body black body bag is now going back up into the body bag superpower womp womp the ability to run film backwards <laughs> <laughs> and then we find out that the dating agency is called singular introductions and nick and skanky are there to ask some questions and they're talking to the lady who runs it and she's really very cooperative she's like look they're not in here i don't see them or just the one lady just the one lady was i don't see but any the, the other two victims that they have like are if, not if i did i would definitely have told you and then we see natalie going home after work into her extremely orange apartment. No wonder she's always quietly seething with rage. I would too if I had an <laughs> entire orange room, including the door, which the lock on the outside of the door. She's thorough. And the lock on the inside of the door are two different kinds. Shh. Yeah, obviously she's thorough. She just, you remember that episode of Mr. Bean where he's trying to paint his room? And so he ends up covering all of the stuff he doesn't want painted in newspaper. And then he sets off a pipe bomb in his paint container. Yes. Yep. <laughs> she did that, but with orange. Because <laughs> it's everywhere. And we meet her cat, Sydney. And Sydney's hungry. Every time I see an animal in one of these old television shows, my first thought is, the animal's dead now. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, that cat would be in its 30s. So... I don't know. I don't know if that's weird, but that's every time I see an old something with an animal in it, I'm like, oh, that animal's dead now. Unless it's a tortoise. Yeah, unless it's a tortoise. Thank you. Thank you for that contribution. And we get our Euro minutes early this episode. And they're not many. No. And they're weird because it's <laughs> Nick putt putting his house. <laughs> He's thinking about how he forgot Natalie's birthday. He's wearing black satin matching pajamas with black right, silk bottoms and a black when you find out top. right at the beginning of your work shift, before the actual end of the day, yeah. that, oh no, you forgot 
to get your friend something for their birthday. You got to regroup. And you just you just go home and <laughs> practice your putt game. Put on your leisure suit <laughs> and do some putt putt. You know, it's like Alexander in the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Yeah. He goes all the way back and starts his day all over again. That's it. He came out, did a little <laughs> bit of work. He realized he'd this forgotten. This is the worst thing ever. <laughs> he realized he'd forgotten something really crucial. And he thought, you know what? I'm just going to start the night over. So he went back home. He did his usual pre-breakfast putt-putt. And then he was like, ah, I know exactly what I'm going to get Natalie. And so then we get a intercut scene of Natalie as she's leaving the grocery store because she had to go get Sydney some food and get herself some food. And Nick is buying her a card and some flowers. And it's kind of cute. He breaks off one of the little flowers and gives it to the flower lady. Yep. And she's like, oh, thank you, very handsome man, for this little flower. <laughs> and he's like, that's right. I'm a good guy. I do nice things for people. <laughs> because I'm really, really human. You have a really nice night. <laughs> and then as he's walking away, we cut back to Natalie. And Natalie bumps into a somebody, a guy, and knocks him over. And apparently bumps him hard enough to make his nose bleed. And so Must she have been a headbutt or something. So she pulls this Kerchief. silk scarf out of her yeah. purse and hands it to the guy. And he uses it to dry his nose. And he's like, oh, man, I think I ruined it. I got blood on it for you. And she says, that's okay. I rarely get to ride with the top down anyway. Oh, no, your scarf. Ah, uh, hey, don't worry about it. That's okay. I hardly ever get to ride with the top down anyway. Sorry to hear that. Now, she hasn't worn this scarf. She just has it in her purse. And she immediately references a convertible when asked about this scarf. Yeah. Which means she is prepared at any given moment for Nick to ask her to go riding in his convertible with the top down. Yep. That's a good point. And she never is. She's got this scarf in her purse for no reason. And so that's why she doesn't care if it gets ruined because she probably stuck it in there months ago thinking it's a really nice night. I'd like to go riding around with Nick. When he does one of his ride around and thinks, I'll yeah. go with him. <laughs> and he didn't ask her. And she just never Burn. got around. Never got around to taking it out. But they do have immediate, like, fun friend yeah, they get along chemistry. Well. And then we get a really second awkward moment of the episode. Because as Natalie is talking to this man, and they're having kind of a flirty, fun conversation. Here comes Nick. Nick shows up. With flowers. And Nick's like, oh, hey, I knew it was your birthday, so I got you some flowers. So he gives the flowers to Natalie and the card. And Natalie opens the card, and it's like... With affection. Hey, friend. Friend. You're my best friend, friend. With affection, Nick. And Natalie is... Furious. Furious. <laughs> but she's in this situation where she cannot express it in any way. Because she oh. can't... Oh, she can. I mean, she, she can't... She can be flirty with the other guy in front of Nick. She can't actually say, Nick, you're such an asshole, and chuck all this stuff at him. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Like, which she clearly wants to do. Because she's also realizing that this man and her have kind of hit it off. And she needs to 
deftly maneuver this situation so he isn't scared off by her behavior. Yeah. And so she does. She does. She keeps her priorities straight. Yeah. She's like, wow, thank you, Nick. Thank you so much. And he's like, well, you're welcome. <laughs> and he's just like, pat oh. my, quietly pats himself on the back. Like, that's right. I remembered. And I got her a really good gift. And he's <laughs> like, okay, well, I got to go back to Skanky now. Which he was just putt-putting. Bye-bye. But, and she's like, um, <laughs> bye. Bye, Nick. Go. And so he leaves. And she literally turns around. And the guy is like, um, was that awkward? Or was that just me? Is that by any chance awkward? What? <laughs> and Natalie's like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna go home. I've had a really long night. And the guy says, Well, I'd love to come visit your cat sometime because a can of cat food fell out of her bag. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, he's in the book under Lambert, Sydney Lambert. Which I love a good <laughs> White pages reference. Yeah. Just a reminder of the time when they used to print people's names, phone numbers, and addresses for everyone to look up. And distributed them. And just gave them and out to And just had everybody. stacks of them out for free at and all the And then they had the stores. fucking audacity when the internet started to give us classes about how we're not supposed to tell anybody our name or where we live or any identifying information about us at all. As if you couldn't just go and look that shit up in a book that was just hanging in a public telephone booth. Right. You didn't even have to have an address and have one delivered to your house. You could just go get one. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. It was an experiment. So then we get our flashback because Natalie is so overcome, so overcome in this moment by just rage, rage at Nick's with affection (laughs) that she looks back into the past again. And it's more flashback where she is unzipping the body bag. And it's Nick. It's Nick. It's Nick. Hey. And he just has a large gash down his cheek. Clearly this man wasn't blown up by a pipe bomb. Right. And he has like some soot and stuff on his face. Yeah. And she says, oh, that's not so bad. And so she goes to make a phone call because she was told that this guy was blown up and he clearly doesn't have enough injuries for that to be the case. Right, so she thought maybe the bodies got mixed up or something. Yeah, and she says, well, he looks like he just cut himself shaving. So who? what's going on? But then we cut back to modern time. And they found some DNA, a hair follicle, or a hair, on the previous victim. Yep. And they need to do a PCR boost. And so they need a bunch of random samples for the PCR yeah, boost. You need... Uh, known falses to help um, cover up the the noise yeah. in the test. And so they get Skanky to give one. They go, ah, a volunteer. And they just cut his thumb. Yeah, Grace and Natalie corner him, cut his thumb, and take his blood. And Skanky's like, oh, that wasn't nice. Who's and- the vampire now? <laughs> I know, Natalie's stealing blood. Natalie and Grace. But Nick, it's clearly Skanky has gone to the morgue alone because Nick Nick uh, buggered off to go hang out in his black satin pajamas again. <laughs> that that interaction finish that game. The interaction just didn't go as well as he'd hoped. 
So he went home, he got in his comfy clothes, and he is contemplating this bottle of blood. It's sitting on the table, and he's sitting there just staring at it. And as he's staring, he remembers meeting Natalie. Because here's the part of the narrative where he's actually awake. So he can remember this part. So now he has the flashback. And honestly... For a guy who has been a vampire for 800 years, he has zero fucking chill. Keep it in your mouth, dude. Keep it together, Nick. He wakes up, and he's immediately like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all fangs and teeth and growling. He could have totally tried to play this off. She was already on her hind feet. She was already on... She'd already experienced something she wasn't expecting to experience. He could have literally sat up and been like, oh, my God, where am I? Yeah. He could have completely played this off. But instead, he sits up like, I'm a vampire. (laughs) 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 And then we, and I love when they zoom in on him and it like the camera tilts as they're zooming in. Like, yeah. oh, no, guys, what's going to happen? Is he going to kill Natalie? <laughs> <laughs> and Nick gets, Nick, Nick's contemplation of his blood bottle is interrupted because he has to go back to work. <laughs> his 15-minute break is over. He's got to put his real pants back on. <laughs> He's like an hour and a half late for work at this point. <laughs> He's got to go back in because the agency has the agency has come back and the owner has realized that they were all clients. It's just that some of them had an expired membership. It was expired because they were dead. It wasn't expired because they were dead. <laughs> she said they had set up some dates, but they kept having to cancel. She said a lot of people use our service because they're so busy, but then they find they're too busy to date. So she pegs someone immediately. She's like, oh, it's George Bomfrey. That dude was a dick. That dude was a dick. He was a major creep. Right. He got fired for sexually harassing some of the members of the staff. Yeah. And wasn't he using the profiles, the data on the system to find women? He was just being an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. And Natalie is actually on a date. So this must be the end of Nick's night because now Natalie's out on a date and it's actually during the day. (gasps) Yeah. And we so rarely get to see her during the day. And she does a good job in this episode. Yeah. This is a Natalie-centric episode. She's got to sell a lot in this episode. She's got to sell unrequited love. She's got to sell, I'm ready to move on with this new person because we're really connecting. I'm taking some time for myself. I'm feeling really good. And she does a really good job of it. She's only got like a party cup with half a half a cup of water in it and a straw. But she's acting like it's this treat that she's been given. She's like stirring the stirring the water around in the party cup and looking over into the breeze and stirring it again. And it's really cute for this. They they took it off the director's like <laughs> it's a couple pieces of trash that they found yeah. somewhere that she's Here. playing with. Here, Natalie, <laughs> hold hold this. It's, you'll give you something to do. Yeah. <laughs> and Nick calls to talk to Natalie. And Grace picks up the phone. And Grace is like, oh, she's out on a date, which Grace knows exactly what she is doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, 
Yes, she does. She's <laughs> like, oh, hey, Nick. Oh, you want Natalie? Oh, <laughs> she's out on a date with a guy. He's super hot. She might be gone the rest of the day. I don't expect mm. her back. <laughs> I just want to let you know. Just dropping that right out there. I mean, from Grace's perspective, it could go either way. Nick backs off, and, and Natalie is happy. Yeah. Natalie is happy, and Nick can't handle it, but at least Natalie's happy. Or Nick finally gets the kick in the ass he needs to take the next step with Natalie. Right. Yeah, from Grace's perspective, it's a win-win. It's a win-win-win situation. And then we get another flashback because Nick is like, oh, remember the good times? <laughs> <laughs> and it's him and he's like raiding her fridge and he gets this bottle of human, this bag um, of human yeah, blood. Yeah, blood bag. Because and obviously the... <laughs> the corner, the, Matt was like, why does the corner have blood? <laughs> Especially the... fresh blood. Maybe it's not fresh blood. But they, they can only drink fresh blood. Uh, no, no. They don't have to drink fresh blood. Oh, I thought when um, when Nick uh, turned the other guy into a vampire, he said something about... No, I don't fresh. think so. Oh, okay. No. Never mind then. No. I think you're getting Interview with a Vampire in this one mixed up. Maybe. I mean, because the blood he drinks isn't fresh. The cow blood that he gets... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just not rotten, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, you can eat a dead chicken. You just can't eat a chicken that's been dead for too long. <laughs> it's probably the similar situation. <laughs> but regardless, why does... Yeah, why does Natalie have <laughs> why does blood, Natalie blood bags? Have blood, like, labeled blood bags ready to use. Yeah, I don't know. And why... I don't know. They always insist on using the one in, like, a straw. And it... <laughs> It just always gets to me. I don't know why. Uh, either that or they do the like, I just pierce my fangs and my fangs suck them up like straws. And you're like, is that how that works? I don't think that's how that works. No. I don't know. That's one of those quibbles. The, the ye old eating the blood bag argument. What's the best strategy for that? Well, Nick clearly believes it's the straw, especially if you squeeze the blood bag really hard so it drips out around everywhere all the openings <laughs> and then you maintain eye contact <laughs> to assert dominance because <laughs> he's just like locked on natalie and he's like <laughs> and then he goes i'm a vampire <laughs> she's like no, no shit and then he goes i'm dead <laughs> right she says something about you being alive and he goes i'm dead and she's like no you're not you're clearly not. I see a lot of dead people. You don't look like the dead people. And then she, she puts her hand on his Although, cheek. He's probably been closer to a lot more dead people than she has. Arguably. <laughs> yes. Even if he, well, yes, we're not going to do the math on that. And then she goes out to like touch his cheek. And he always does this thing where he grabs their hand. And then touches him, touches his face with their hand. Like he, he has to be in control. Like he, <laughs> he already asserted dominance a minute ago. He's and just, now he's exercising control. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he touches the back of her hand to his cheek. And she's like, oh, you're cold. And he's like, well, yeah, fuck it. I'm dead. I just said that. And then we come back out of the flashback. And this time, it's Natalie who has wandered off. Because... The guy she's with is like, um, hey, hey, are you hey, there? Are you listening? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. What did you say? <laughs> I'm sorry. What did you say? I said we probably have a lot in common.
And then we cut to Skanky and Nick, and they are out outside of Arnie's adult book world. <laughs> this is where they're sitting in the car. Right. Um, yeah, they're sitting in the car, and Nick is like, just... And so we get to see Nick having a flashback, but from the outside. We don't actually get to see Nick's portion of the flashback. Right. We just get to zoom in on the car as he's staring off into the distance, and then Skanky's like... Several misdemeanor charges, indecent exposure, lewd behavior in public. It's a wonder this guy finds time to come into work at all. <laughs> what time did the owner say his shift was starting anyway? Hello? Oh. I was listening. I was. From what remote satellite? And by the way, how's that hole in the ozone layer doing? I mean, if I'm boring you, Nick, just tell me. Hey, Nick. Nick. Nick, come on. And Nick's like, what? Oh, I was listening. I really was. I was totally listening. And what Skanky is saying is that George Bomfrey is a bad dude. He has a scumbag. He has so many sexually predatory related crimes on his record. Skanky actually says, I wonder how he has time to hold down a job. (laughs) (laughs) So George is coming out of his shift and he sees the police. He sees Nick and Skanky and he makes a run for it. And they get to this gate, and he shuts the gate and locks it before they can get there. And Skanky and Nick are standing there. And Nick just turns to Skanky and goes, go around. Go around the back. <laughs> go around the back. And Skanky's like, okay, this is probably where he's going to do that benevolent, like, benevolent superhuman thing that he does. So I'm just going to, I'm going to go so he can do it by himself. Yeah. So he leaves. And instead of Nick just breaking the lock. He uh, just, why not break the door? He just whole ass rips the door off and then (laughs) chucks it down the alleyway, which is way harder to explain. Should anybody come around? Right, because Skanky saw it. A decently sized guy could just run and hit the door and break the lock. Yeah, he could say, I shot the lock or it wasn't locked completely. I kicked it. it, Whatever. What if Skanky came back around to examine the scene and he's like, whoa, how did that door get off of there? What's Nick going to say? He exploded it? <laughs> There's it, Anyway, zero chill. That's Nick. He's Nick. Zero chill. De Brabant. De Brabant. De Brabant. De Brabant. <laughs> <laughs> but he runs through this gate. And. He drops down on the guy from above. Yeah. He does. He gets him. They they capture him. He vampire catches him. And of course, Skanky comes running in a few minutes later because he's been waiting around the corner for Nick to finish doing this <laughs> stuff. And then he runs in. And then we cut to Natalie because Natalie's been on this date all day. She took the rest of the day off. Yep. And they're at her door and things are getting a little spicy. spicy. And Natalie is like, you know what? Actually, I am perfectly okay if you want to come in and meet my pussycat. I'll introduce you. Yeah, I'll introduce you. So she invites him in, and as soon as they get in, or her pager starts going off, and she's like, I'm just going to go in and use the phone, but I want you to come in with me because I'm going to be off the phone in a minute, and then I'm going to be ready to do other activities. And so she goes in her apartment to- And Nick says, oh, hi, Natalie. There you are. Nick is on the phone paging her. On her phone. On her phone. In her locked apartment. Okay, Nick. This is, I don't even know. We should have counted how many women's apartments he's broken into. But I think we're on four. Right. It's at least four or five. Yeah. Nick, 
You, you can't, okay? This is why vampires should need an invitation. Because it's like if you give a mouse a cookie. <laughs> if you let a vampire into your life, eventually they're going to start breaking into your house for your own, quote, protection. Because that's what Nick is doing. He's like, I couldn't get a hold of you. I didn't know where you were. And Natalie's like. Do you know I, how worried I was? Natalie's like, I am a grown ass woman. I can do whatever the fuck I want, Nick. And I can take care of myself. What what the hell are you doing here? And the best part is this whole argument is taking place behind the screen. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I love the silhouette. Aspect. Like like they were trying to escape being watched by this guy. <laughs> so they go behind a, quote, wall. But they just end up in silhouette on the screen. Yeah, a very clear silhouette. Almost like they planned that. Yell whispering at each other. Yeah. And this guy is just standing there like... Oh, God, I'm a serial killer. And, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you guys not realize that? <laughs> and even I find this awkward. And he's just standing <laughs> there. And then <laughs> finally, he's just pissed Natalie off so much. She's done with this argument. She just hauls off and slaps him and then walks out. Because yep. he's like, I was really worried about you. I didn't know what was happening. How can I protect you if I don't know where you are? And she just slaps him like... I'm over this shit. I'm over you right now. So she comes out to say goodbye because clearly the mood is ruined. Good good job cock blocking there, Nick. Yeah. Good good, good job, on you. Good on you. I mean, really, he saved your life. So we can't be too mad. Right. But, but he didn't know what he, that he was doing that. He only did that. That was per peripheral. This was all because as soon as she starts talking to him, he puts his hand on Natalie's shoulder and pulls her close. Nick. Yeah, Nick, Nick does. does. Come on, Nick. Like in a brother hug. And the guy leaves. Uh, well, Nick is acting territorial. Let's put yes. it that way. Yes, he's territorial. The guy leaves and Nick is like, I, I just want to protect you. you. Do you have any idea how worried I am? And Natalie goes, protect me. Hmm. Yeah, you want to protect me like you would protect a sister? And Nick's like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah like a sister, like a sister, uh -huh. yeah. And Natalie's like, okay, well, you know what? You can fuck off. You can fuck right <laughs> off. I need you to leave right now. And Nick is confused. Yeah, again, he's like, I don't know what you want. What What is happening? Like Nick, you broke into her apartment. <laughs> you were waiting for her when she got home. You interrupted a date you she were was excited paging about. paging her professional beeper because you wanted to make sure she wasn't on a date without you. There's a lot of reasons why she's upset. But the precinct calls Natalie to get a hold of Nick. Which, mm, mm. did he tell somebody that he was going to Natalie's apartment? Or were they just calling around to all the places he might have been? Why does Nick not have a beeper? Well, why did they know that Nick was at Natalie's apartment? <laughs> right? Because she picks up and she's like, oh, yeah, he's here. And she just hands it over. I have a feeling he told somebody. I'm going to go to Natalie's apartment just to see if she's there. Check on her. I'm wondering why Nick doesn't have a beeper. Would they have had beepers? Did cops carry beepers? He's a detective. He's not just a regular Well, he officer. should have like a... I don't know that he's on duty necessarily because he doesn't have... I don't know. Wouldn't they have had like walkie talkies or? Well, it has to be reachable in the whole city. A walkie talkie is not going to reach through the whole city. Maybe he had a Nextel. Well, I'm, I, 
where I was going was he might have opted out of having his own beeper because you can track you can track location because you can track what cell tower it's connected to. Yeah. And if he's flying around all the time. <laughs> well, we, we established he has a cell phone. He has a little flip phone. Not a little that's flip true. phone, but he has a phone because that's why he has a convertible, remember? So he can keep <laughs> using the phone even when he's flying. He says he has to top down. All right, so why? He only has a cell phone a couple times. It's probably just a plot device. It's a way of wrapping up this argument. Because there was no other way they could wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. They call the apartment for whatever reason to talk to Nick. And Nick heads to the precinct. And it must be Stone Tree's time of the month again. Because he's flipping out about newspapers. Now he never wants to see another newspaper <laughs> at the precinct. And that the next person who brings in a priest in the newspaper is getting demoted back to... Permanent desk job. Permanent, yeah. All right. This... Is the last newspaper allowed in this precinct while this case is open? In fact, if I find another one, I will search out the culprit who brought it into this office, and he or she will look forward to a lifetime desk job at parking violations. And then we get our interrogation of George, which isn't so much an interrogation. Oh, actually, you know what? We don't. They're oh, pretty yeah. rough with him. They're pretty rough with him. It's not so much an interrogation as just Nick pinning this guy to the wall and hypnotizing him in front of Skanky. Which hopefully that heartbeat sound isn't audible every time he's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> does, he, does he make the heartbeat noise? <laughs> does he hear the heartbeat noise? <laughs> Skanky's like, what's that? What is that? Bump, 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 bump. <laughs> He really does. He pins him to the wall and he's like, okay, who did you sell this stuff to? And George is like, well, I don't know. It was this guy. He gave me like 50 bucks. And I just, I sold him all the records from, from the dating agency. Right. Outside of just plot device, deus ex machina. Why? Like what, what situation were they in where this guy was like, oh, oh, you want, you, you creepy guy, you want a lot of contact information, like personal information about women who are trying to date but don't have time to date. Yeah. And it'd be really convenient for you if somebody could just sell you a whole list of women that are in exactly that situation. Well, it may have been. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can hook you up for 50 bucks. Yeah. Oh, 50 bucks. Yeah. I, I'll, I can get you 50 bucks for that kind of information. <laughs> well, the guy may have sought him out. It may have been like he knew from on the streets that this guy had gotten fired and he was doing the computer files at this dating agency. He may have been like, hey, man, did you get a copy of those or whatever? Maybe. Can you make me a copy? Or what? I don't know. It does. <laughs> Again, for whatever reason. <laughs> George to make the story work. had just copied all these files, maybe for his own use. I don't know. And he was willing to sell them, and he found a buyer. Maybe he was advertising that he had them. Ooh, yeah. He could have deliberately made copies and... Yeah, ad he could have given them out put to... Put feelers out on the yeah, dark web. Yeah, the dark web, <laughs> which was probably literally, literally like a bulletin board somewhere in an alley <laughs> <laughs> this time. 
And then we go back to Natalie and it's Grace. And Grace says um, she actually forgot to get the fourth DNA sample for that PCR boost. Uh, whoops. So it's not back yet. So Natalie gives Grace Roger's blood from the scarf. She's like, I'll here use this. It's fine. Random guy. Random guy. No chance. It's our guy. Zero chance that this is the bad guy. I, I've sniffed him out. He's fine. Almost had him in my apartment, but Nick was there. It's a whole thing. Almost like somebody got him jealous. Yeah. And so Nick shows up and Nick and Natalie are having a very tense conversation. And Nick is really floundering here. And he literally says, look, Natalie, you have to tell me what's wrong. I can't figure it out. Is for you by then. Great. Well, have you forgiven me for ruining your evening? I accepted your apology last night. In letter only or in spirit too? Because now I can't tell by the way you're acting. I said I forgive you. I, I know it was presumptuous of me to break into your house. I guess I took liberties with our friendship that I shouldn't have. Look, please, Nick. Which kudos to him for being like, I realize that when you say you're fine, you're not fine. But I don't know what fine means. And I, I've tried to figure it out and I can't. I broke into your apartment. I went through your journal. <laughs> <laughs> I followed you around the whole city. <laughs> yeah, I broke into your apartment. I read, I read through your journal. You didn't write anything about it. Although you wrote about this other guy named Roger. It was really weird. But you didn't write anything about me. So I just don't know what's happening. And... Natalie really can't articulate it. I'm not even sure she's really aware herself of why. I mean, she knows she's upset because Nick is treating her like she's been friend zoned. Right, but whatever. she can't. She's probably not up for admitting to Nick directly. Like, Nick, I like you. Like, I like you. Yeah. And you and I'm sending you all these signals and you are shutting me down and I'm pissed off about that. Yeah. Well, I think once one of them says the quiet part out loud, there's no putting that back. Right. And any chance she has of having a professional relationship with Nick that's not strained will kind of go out the window. Right. And so, so that's probably why she's having trouble yeah, explaining she's, it. Because she doesn't know which she wants more, which is kind of why she's having this flashback too. Is she's not sure what she wants more. Does she want the challenge or does she want Nick? Because she can't have both. And so we get our flashback wrap up, which is what something transpired. We don't know what. He he tried to hypnotize her into forgetting him, which is probably why he offloaded all that shit on her. That's probably what every vampire does for therapy. They just find a random human, <laughs> dump a bunch of their emotional shit on them, and then make them forget everything and leave. So he... He had zero chill. He had this heart to heart with Natalie and then he made her forget. And then he's walking past her on the sidewalk. And she recognizes she him. She recognizes him. She says, you're testing me, aren't you? She goes, maybe I just can't be hypnotized or maybe I don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> and so, or maybe he didn't want her to be. Mm. It's probably more the like the right thing there. He wasn't actually trying. Yeah. He wasn't trying too, too hard. And so she says, you know, I'm a scientist. I'm co totally willing to try to figure out how to save you. 
And Nick says, what You, are you can't gonna- save me. He goes, What are you going to do with this 800 year old body? <laughs> 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 and Natalie's like, Your condition is a physical one. Because Nick says, Evil is a metaphysical condition. <laughs> Which I just love that one. Science won't help you to understand what I am or the hell of Nick's existence. I've locked myself into. What makes you think I can't help you? Help me. Are you serious? No one can help me. My immortality is a curse. A fall from grace. Evil is a metaphysical condition. It's one of my favorite lines. (laughs) He's trying to tell her, you can't cure me with whatever because this isn't some virus this isn't some bacteria this isn't cordyceps or something this is a wholly independent from known science thing this is supernatural it's extraordinary it's paranormal and natalie's like that's bullshit i could figure this shit out all i need is my morgue a couple of beakers and a blender we're gonna hook and you a up. notebook that i'm gonna write nick's name in about the experiments <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> and so Natalie says, well, oh, Nick asks her what's in this for you. What's in this for you, doctor? And Natalie's like, I just like a challenge. I love I love a good puzzle. And then she comes back to herself in the present time and she goes, liar. <laughs> <laughs> but she goes out on a date with Roger because to Natalie's credit, she's trying. She's realized this thing with Nick is not going to work. It's not going to play out. And so she's trying to find a viable alternative. And at the moment, it's Roger. She's really enjoying being with him. And so he has a special trip planned. Right. So he takes her car, which we deliberately point out that this is her car, which means we don't know what he drives. Right. Because we know they're looking for a white van with a flower on it. Yep. So he drives her way out of the city to a nursery and they go in the nursery and he has a whole tropical picnic with music and wine all set up and it's really kind of romantic yeah i mean it's if if we didn't know where this was going this is a really sweet date yes yeah he put a lot of thought into it he prepared yeah yeah meanwhile nick is chilling on his motorcycle (laughs) the motorcycle of note and he has moved it it is now over on the left side of the couch (laughs) the better to ponder well it's because he drove it and brought it back the pondering vibes are better on the left side of the couch today so it's really his mobile pondering station it's wherever he feels like being despondent and sitting on something he has a literal vehicle he can drive around to do that And he calls Natalie because he's still trying to work this out. Something has happened. It obviously isn't the thing where he broke into her apartment to save her from nothing that was happening. So he's got to figure out what this is. So he calls, but Natalie's not at work. (gasps) Well, he goes. He goes to the coroner's office. Yes, and and Grace is there. Lights are all off. She's and 
nobody's there. And he sits down at her desk. And this is oh, where he right. rifles through the papers. And there's just a notebook, just a straight notebook on her desk with all these notes about Nick. Nick named by name in this notebook with all these experimental notations. Yeah. Like if anybody ever found this, they could be like, oh, I wonder if I wonder if Nick's is like a pseudonym, pseudonym, or is it really, is it Nick? can't actually just be Nick. It's like in the episode of Buffy where she thinks that her mom read her diary. She's like, oh, she thinks Angel's read her diary. And she's like, A doesn't stand for Angel anyway. It stands for Ahmed, the charming export exchange student. (laughs) (laughs) And the light switches on and he kind of scrambles all the papers over. And it's Grace. And Grace is looking for Natalie. And Nick's like, what a coincidence. I am also looking for Natalie. Teamwork. Why are are you looking for Natalie? And Grace says it's because the PCR blind produced a match, but it wasn't. It It wasn't their sample. Yeah, it wasn't their sample. Well, there was a match to the sample because it's the hair sample from the killer. And one of the random people in the PCR match was the the same DNA as the sample. And it was Roger's DNA. (gasps) And Natalie is out with Roger. And nobody knows where she is. So Nick zooms back to Natalie's apartment because clearly the the best option to solve this is to break into her apartment to get again, 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 yeah. And this time go through her date book. So he goes through her date book, and it just says something about Roger. Yeah, it says something date with Roger, and then next to it is a box, a box, a flower box. <gasps> With an address. And it has a very large picture, very large picture, like Humboldt Nursery or whatever, yeah. on it. And Nick is like, ha, got you. And then he zips off. Does he know where this place is? Does he just have an well, He saw the address. Knowledge? Right, but this is in the outskirts of Toronto. This isn't in his usual Oh, beat. he... He knows. He has the map memorized. He printed out the map quest directions before he left. <laughs> and this is about the moment we're cutting back to Natalie, and she's realizing how alone and isolated. And he starts. He starts putting out some creeper vibes. A little creepy, and she's also having a flashback about what Nick says to her. After she tells him she's only in this for the puzzle. Because he tells her, don't get too close to me. And she goes, why? Would you hurt me? Do you want to hurt me? He's like, no, I don't, I don't want to hurt you. But I might anyway. Don't. Don't get too close to me. You want to hurt me? Kill me? No. But I might anyway. Which is really why he is not with Natalie. Right. It's because he values her so much. He's not willing to risk her by acting on this attraction that he feels. He can be himself with Jeanette. He can't hurt her. She's safe to be with. That's why he's so relaxed and comfortable and flirty around her. But Natalie must be a constant reminder of what he can't have. And it would be very difficult in the mythology we've set up for him to really relax around Natalie. Cause then he might hurt her. 
So when we go back to Natalie, yeah, they're getting kissy kissy. Well, it's getting a little much. It's they're kissing. She's kind of into it, but she's also a little bummed about Nick. She's got emotional turbulence going on, and she's really kind of not here for this in an intimate sense right now. She's here to spend time to have fun. She even told Roger he was good for her, but she's not here. This isn't the same vibe she was feeling the other day. Right. And so she tells him, you know what? Not, not right now. And he actually pushes her to the ground and says, well, half your clothes are already off and now you're going to tell me no. But she just unbuttoned like three buttons. Calm the fuck down, Roger. You can see her slip. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so it turns out Roger's an asshole. Yep. And Natalie is immediately like, oh, shit. What have I gotten myself into? I got pissed. I didn't tell anybody where I was going. I'm out here all alone. I don't even know who this man really is. And the she does the best possible thing she could do in this situation. And she just yeets it out of there. She's like, um, okay, and bye. So she just takes off and she is actually doing a pretty good job of running away until she's defeated by an improperly stored garden hose. Oh, she's hosed. She gets hosed (laughs) because she trips over this hose on the ground and hits her head and knocks herself out. out. Yeah. Which luckily Nick following his map quest directions as the crow flies on Nick's map quest, it has walk Bike, drive, fly. <laughs> so just click the it's fly been, button. It's a special web browser plugin. <laughs> Aristotle developed it. I could totally see that. <laughs> it's got a little whoosh. Vamp quest. Vamp quest. <laughs> <laughs> but he gets there and he just like pew, torpedoes in. Uh, and they use the, the same glass breaking animation as the porn movie episode nice yeah the one where the false witness yeah yeah hey why refilm it's good it's good enough if it was good enough for that episode it's good enough for this episode that's what my mom always says (laughs) and nick does the whole growl the zero chill yeah he just, you know what? It's fine. It's probably who he is personally. I wonder if every other vampire is like this or if he's wildly embarrassing. If they're like Nick, uh, just well, put we, him we away. find out uh, there is another vampire that's like that. At oh, least one. That's right. That's in the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he just tosses Richard out onto a very well labeled pile of manure. Aw. Which that doesn't kill Roger by any stretch of the imagination. No. Which makes Roger our ding, 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 number 13 on people that Nick has exposed himself to and then not killed. Yep. Which means Roger's going to go back to the station and be like, oh, my God, that man's a monster. And they're all going to be like, oh, God, another one. (laughs) (laughs) That's like the 13th one. It's got to be what? Number 13? Oh, geez. (laughs) (laughs) That we're seeing. That we're seeing. There must be some some new drug on the street <laughs> it's only affected these random 13 people who are all connected to nick but that's that's totally beside the point and then we get the nick arm grab he's the king of the arm grab the a forearm or an upper arm grab yeah just and, above the elbow yeah and then he 
grabs her arm and then leans it into a forehead boop and a cuddle, which is a little bit too soon and also a little bit too late. All at the same time. And then we get our wrap up because, of course, we've we've solved the case. Woo! We have found the serial killer. Natalie found the serial killer this time. Hey! Good job, Natalie. And he's sent off to be where bad people do. Be. (laughs) 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 And they are. They're ready for the wrap up. And so Natalie is apparently going on vacation. Because she and Nick are physically affectionate again, even if they're not emotionally connected. I mean, they're emotionally... Conversationally. They're back to their usual relationship complexity. Yeah. And Natalie, in an effort to kind of give herself some space and a moment to recover, is going to go on vacation. And so she's getting ready to leave. And they're all at the front desk. And Skanky's like, well, wait just a second. Myra's cousin, Lionel, is coming, and he wanted to meet you. And she's like, oh, no, 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 not, nope, I'm not receiving that. And so she's like, I'm going, bye, guys, I'm leaving. So she leaves, and then this handsome fellow walks up, and he's like, hey, has anybody heard of Dr. Lambert? My name's Lionel. And Skanky and Nick just share a look, and then we cut to the credits. Yep. So, hey. Natalie could have had that on vacation. <sighs> mm. But that's our wrap up. And this was the wrap up of our Nick and Natalie origin story. Yeah. So we had to find out how they met, how long they've known each other. Yeah. And this was the most in-depth exploration of their relationship to each other that we've had. Yeah. So we were not only getting how they met, but we're also getting the. A little more info about the present. Yeah. N- Natalie has been pining for nick for two years now and nick really isn't handling it well and that's pretty much it that's the gist of the episode i mean sure there's a there's some cop stuff happening but let's face it we're not here for the cop stuff anyway we're here for the interpersonal stuff and so this was a good one i always like this one because it furthers our natalie character quite a bit because we haven't been doing her justice we've had whole episodes without natalie For a while now. And we haven't really been using her as anything but like a shill for the audience. And so it was really nice to see her get to come out of the shadows for a little bit. Literally, because she gets to actually film during the day. And she gets to leave her set, the set where she always is. Right, the coroner's office. coroner's office. And so I think that's why. If I'm going to rewatch any episode in season one, it's usually this one. Because I like the origin story. Even though Nick, of course, has... An, an awkward amount of fang at any it. opportunity. He's just like, you know what? I have, yeah, I should probably vamp out just see if that if that's what the situation warrants or not. I don't know. <laughs> I could feel it out or I could just do it. And then I, if it goes wrong, I just hypnotize people until they forget. So it's really just, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And that's his philosophy on life, really. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I love the idea that somewhere there's a therapist who has a half hour blocked off and they have no idea why. And every day they just lose that half hour. <laughs> but somehow it's always on their calendar. And they always got money. They got paid for it. Yeah. There's always just cash on the table after the half hour. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be a really good vampire short story. It's just a vampire talking about their woes for a while. And then, okay, well, next week 
but don't worry, you won't remember. <laughs> and more and more vampires keep going to see this therapist. Yeah. And they just lose like their whole week, work week. I mean, would that be a really good work day or what? You go in, you sit down, and then you just, and then suddenly it's eight hours later and there's and just there's a pile of money. <laughs> there's a pile of money on your table. And what's going on? And just, you do this every day, Monday to Friday. And just get a pile of cash at the end of the day. Sweet. <laughs> like, what do you do? Honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. But apparently I'm good at it. <laughs> that would be really awesome. And then slowly over time you get so you start to remember. And then it's really just like horrific monsters that come into your come into your practice. And then there's like one vampire that just comes in afterwards every time and makes you forget. And then these other hideous monsters all come in because they all need help. They all have emotional right. problems, but they can't get anybody to stop screaming and running away long enough. But for whatever reason, you have been chosen as the therapist for the monstrous underground. That would be really, really funny. Huh. Hey, you can cut it out of the episode and actually write it. I'm going to drink my La Croix water <laughs> here. Think about that. Apparently, it's named for La Crosse, Washington, and the St. Croix River, but it's all lies. It's La Croix. Yeah. All right. So if you want to keep up with more of what we're doing, we're moving into season two of Forever Night soon, or maybe we'll take a break and watch another short series just to give ourselves a little breathing yeah. room. I'm not sure. I'm on the fence. You guys tell me. Weigh in. You can always message us on Instagram, or you can comment on one of my Forever Night posts. Um, and you can do that on Instagram at at Strange and Beautiful Book Club. I post pretty much every day. I've got a lot of posts. I was thinking about that. I don't know. I don't really feel bad about that. I don't know how to use Instagram, so I'm just going to kind of do what I want to do. So it's an interesting ride. You should come along with me on it. I yeah. never know from day can, to day. Uh, you can hit us up on Patreon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or we have a Patreon. Uh, link in the show notes. I always link the Instagram and the Patreon in the show notes. Uh, we have a Night Nights tier, which is $5, and it gets you access to our Discord. And actually, our two Discord members are Night Nights, and that is Ryan and Rachel. Hi, Ryan and Rachel. And they have been members long enough now. They're getting their special merch. Their special merch is mailing out this month. So congratulations. Have you figured out what the merch is? Yeah, yeah. I had to tell it what to make. It's a sticker. Oh, okay. With their logo on it. Yeah. Cool. So I'm looking forward to one of them receiving it so I can see what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> but they're the only ones in the Discord. So if you ever thought to yourself, man, I wish I had gotten on that Discord of that that podcast way back at the beginning when there was only a couple of them so that I could really interact with the hosts. Ho, ho, ho. Is this your moment? <laughs> <laughs> you could be on that Discord just chatting to us all the time. We're, I mean, I have it on my phone. It sends me a message when I get a Discord message. So Ryan gets a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, guys. You're letting Ryan hog all the attention. Don't. I'm sure Ryan doesn't appreciate. <laughs> I'm sure Ryan doesn't appreciate being the center of both of our attentions. It's pretty intimidating, actually. If you want to find that out for yourself, hop on over to the Discord. And to do that, join us on the Patreon. Um, what I'm really trying to say is I don't want to put ads in these shows like at all. So if we could get enough Patreons, I wouldn't do that. I, I think I'd just keep it ad free for everybody. And that would be my goal is to stay independent and ad free forever. Right. Cover all the. Yeah. 
all the equipment and hosting and other expenses. Yeah. So, yeah, Instagram, Patreon, you know the drill. Um, yeah. I think that's it. That just about covers it. Remember, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful, too. So be who you are and love what you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye. creaky one now i know well it's because i bought you a special chair and buy me a special chair but you bought kate a special chair and i happen to be using it right because you guys have the same special set of human skills <laughs> our superior human skills your superior human skills aka you have adhd Womp. that pumped it up real hard okay there we go that's what she said <laughs> <laughs> All right.